is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome to Filthy Shambles, Season 3, Episode 12. We're almost out of International Week and we're all almost back to Ange Ball. Tottenham are playing Sheffield United at home on Saturday at 3pm. I cannot fucking wait. I'm joined by Ross and Dan to chat about one or two things that have happened in the past week or two and obviously preview the weekend. Ross, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Spooks. You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm always good, mate. You know me, Daniel. Yeah, I'm just making sure. Daniel, can I can I call you Daniel? Or no, mate. We, like, we've we done this. We've done this in the pre thing. Like that's all right when we're like off air, but as soon as we're getting on here, like you can't be do- can't be doing that to me, mate. Like not no pa- like not my passport. It's not your passport, that, like, man. This is yeah, not your but, it's not but your like, government name, mate. Just, uh... The only only me mum calls me Daniel. Like that's just like oh no, it's gonna stick now, isn't it? All right, but yeah, whatever. Are we gonna hold on? Hold on. Are we gonna use your name then, Spooks or? <laughs> you, do, do you even know my real name? I, I think I do. Of course yeah. I do. It's been it's been leaked a few times, unfortunately. Um, it's always funny <laughs> well, when, when when I uh, I met um, I met someone the other week to pick up the the, the Fulham ticket, and uh, I think he asked me as well as as well. Do, do I introduce you to the other guys as as, as spooky? Or and I'm like, mate, just use my real name. It's just it's just easier, more convenient. You know, a full, fully grown man having to explain why he's got this quirky name as, as, as a nickname. It's just sometimes it's best avoided. Um, but also bizarre when my other group of mates call me by my actual name. I'm like, that doesn't feel right. Do you, uh, still respond you guys? To it? Hey, do you still respond? I mean, because I mean, I mean, I mean, so many people know you as Spooky. So when you go to a different group and they call you by your other name, do you it just it's immediately weird, respond mate. to it? Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> proper, anyway. proper, proper Tory conversation. This in it. Like, does anyone call you by your actual name, or like, do they just call you the Overlord? Listen, uh, listen, mate. When 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 you're rock and roll, you know, in terms of blogging and podcasting, do you know what I mean? You need a stage name. It's just the way. The way. Anyway, yeah. Enough of this. Um, let's let's kick off with. Uh, do you know what? I know, I know, I know. I sent you a running order, but I'm just going to just swap two things out of the way because I want to get the Harry Kane thing out of the way before we get to the good stuff, right? Good. So Harry Kane, um, if I kind of set the stage, and then I'm I'm curious to know what your opinions are on this compared to what the uh, the, the 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 Twitterverse is talking about. Um, obviously, Harry Kane, you know, he's stuck in front of a microphone or two on in- England duty. He's going to be asked leading questions, right? And Harry Kane's going to answer those questions. And my opinion is I don't really care as much as other people care about what he's saying, right? Because there's a lot of truths in there. But I also think that Kane, bless his heart, is quite a bland and and hyper-professional individual. You know, he he is basically the, the, the most perfect uh football gentleman when it comes to diplomatic answers and and whatever whatever else there's nothing particularly edgy about him at all he doesn't he's never he doesn't come across to me it's just his personality 
doesn't come as across to me as, as organic and, and, and kind of personal as other players do, right? Including some that we've got, including some in England squad. Um, he's just not that type of person. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a criticism. So I do think what happens is that when he does answer these questions, and it sounds like he's digging away at Tottenham, you know, yes, there's some truth in there, but also I think he's never going to say something like, guys, can we just move on from this now? Do you know what I mean? He's never really going to take it by the scruff and, 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 and say, look, I had a great time, a great career at Spurs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, now I'm being... There's other ways to say the same thing, Harry, and he just doesn't know how to. So in my headspace, I'm not losing any sleep over it. Dan, where are you uh, with, with this? And for anyone who doesn't know, and how can you not? He just made some digs about Tottenham, about not feeling pressure, not feeling like there was an environment where the players hated to lose. And and really, when you actually when you start to break that down, you could argue, Dan, no doubt that there was pressure from the fans. There, there, there was pressure on the team as well from all from everybody basically. Mm. So it doesn't quite fit in. And if it's a dig at Levy, it's a little bit too messy to to decipher for the, the you know the common man or woman on on the street. So where have you fallen with the yeah. snake? Yeah, um, he's not a snake, by the way. This is a little banter. Joke. I think everything that you've said is completely fair. But then, like, and I, I won't, I wouldn't have even been aware of it unless I'd sort of like uh, someone hadn't shared this into a group chat that I was in. Um, so then when I saw it and read it, I just got really defensive really quickly, like purely just from a Spurs fan perspective, because he's not a Spurs player anymore. And all of a sudden it's like, he's trying to say that there was never pressure. He can go a few games without losing and like, nobody cares, but it's like instantly, like it's like he's considered everyone except if, like you say, if it's a dig at Levy, it's like, he's not considered how I suppose the fans who have, absolutely like you know you know worshipped him for like yeah. over a decade over a decade of him playing and his like, teammates, team. his yeah, teammates. Exactly, yeah exactly yeah. I just think it was a bit disres- I do think it was a bit disrespectful um, yeah. and it's like I just don't think he ever considers us the fans in any of these things he says because it's like if you're sitting there saying that there was a cult there was genuinely a culture of like not having pressure to win things and stuff like that you're right. I, I, I imagine the pressure is different at a club like Bayern Munich compared to Spurs. I'm not going to dispute that because there is. But to sit there and then be going to like granular points about oh, couple if you lose a couple games, it's all right. Well, it wouldn't be for fans. We'd get fucked off. We want to win every game, and we'd whenever and like you know we we were fucked off when we went out against Fulham last week because we're desperate to win a cup, right? Like like it's it's, it's just what it is. Um, so I don't I. I it's, it's like you say, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But when I saw it, I was annoyed because I just thought it was unnecessary. And it's like, well, you were you were a part of this culture, mate. So if you need to look a bit more inwardly and consider yourself within that, if that's what you know you thought it was like. Ross, are you are you there with Dan, or have you got have yeah. you got a different spin on it? It's a bit like your ex going on Facebook and just yapping um, for absolutely no reason. I, I I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many goals he's got for Bayern Munich. I mean, obviously, a journalist has gone to this press conference uh, with the notion that he's going to try and throw this question in, even though I don't really know what the question he was asked was. Um, but he, if he's That's responded... That's a funny point, actually, mate, to, to be fair. I've seen the quotes. I, I, can't, I can't actually remember the, uh, uh, the question uh, that triggered it if, all, but... Anyway. Exactly, because if we if it's just basically how do you cope with pressure, and if he's just 
had a pop at Spurs, then it's it's all very petulant for absolutely no real reason. I couldn't care less. I mean, it was nice watching the England game last night about wincing every time, you know, a defender tackles him. It's like, well, if he breaks an ankle, he breaks an ankle. Um, hopefully he'll be back for the Euros. But uh, if this is his way of, I don't know, breaking all, burning all bridges, then good luck to him. Hope he wins a whatever they win every year, the big dish thing in the Bundesliga, and he gets a jug of beer thrown over his head. Good luck to him. I, 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 who, who, we, just move on. He's he's not our player anymore. He was a great player, one of our best players. Um, he's moved on. That's it. Yeah, that's, Kane, I, I, that's where I'm... Harry Kane would never stop being the Harry Kane that, that scored all those goals for us at, at Tottenham. No. Do you know what I mean? He's... No, that would never be taken away. You know, it, it, it's it's history. It's it's what we've lived through. You know, and he he has been part of um uh he's been part of a journey that unfortunately didn't end with silverware. But not to say that we didn't actually aim to win silverware. And I guess this is where people have got a bit pricklish with it because it's like, well, we did get to like four cup finals and. You know, we we did actually sacrifice domestic cups to be able to look up at the at the top of the table, and you know, if it wasn't for a particular Chelsea team led by a particular Italian, Spurs would have won the league that year, right? I mean, I know you know you can't you can't look back at any season and 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 take out teams and say, well, we would have won the league if City didn't exist. You know, it, but what I'm saying is. We aimed high, and Spurs being Spurs, echo of glory and, and the rest of it, it wasn't enough in that moment. But that's not to say that we weren't coping with pressure and applying pressure, and that's a meme, on other teams. We were we were a proper unit, a proper collective under you know the manager who shall not be named, because I'm petty. Um, so I think people, I think people are the people who, who are genuinely upset or angry or who, who are quite aggressive towards him or people that just are like shrugging. I think also and I, had, I had a discussion with this with someone on, on Twitter, which was it's just a coping mechanism as well, you know, because you've lost something that's great and, and very valuable to you. It's no longer in your life. It's gone. And the way that you cope is you try to detach yourself from caring about that thing. And and the rea- and, rea- and in life you do go through various stages of loss on different le- levels of, of I guess importance and impact, right? And as sickening as it feels when it happens, time fixes it, or rather, you are fixed by you know the time that it takes to actually digest it all and and and, and to learn to live with it. And mate, it's football, right? It's not really life and death. It's not, it's not, but we make it into that because it's entertaining. I don't. Again, I don't have a problem with Kane, but I, I have very easily, very comfortably detached myself from him. I think because of the energy that he gives back, and that's just who he is. I'm not saying he's doing it on purpose. I'm not saying he doesn't give a shit. I just don't think he has that that kind of uh, personality. That that allows you to feel overly betrayed by him. He's wanted to leave Tottenham for years, you know, and he's just and he's just cracked on, and he's done. He's he's carried us on occasions, and now he's gone, and now we've got new players to to look at, and and life goes on. We've lost Bale, we've lost Modric, we've lost a number of players in the past. So 
So, yeah, and I think quotes are quotes, right? They're always misquoted. They're always out of context. Nobody clicks on the link to read the article. They read the headline. They read the, they read the sound bite. They don't even listen to the tone of the delivery of the quote. Um, we're all guilty of it in some way because there's just too much information out there. Um, and at the end of the day, you scored against Scotland. So like I don't I don't really care about the quotes. We beat beat Scotland in a in a no mark friendly. I'll have that because it's a, a little cup final for them. Um so good luck to Harry, whatever it is that you're doing in Germany, because I don't know either. Um but back in England, back in Blighty, Ange Postacoglu went on to talk sport for a little interview, right? If anyone hasn't seen it, get yourself onto YouTube and just search talk sport. Ange Postacoglu, I would never normally promote anything to do with TalkSport, um, but it's a worthwhile interview if you've not seen it. In fact, pause the podcast, watch it and come back so we don't have to go into every every little detail. Um, Dan, were you a little bit surprised? that you, I mean, is this is, does this happen often? Because I don't follow TalkSport. So do, do, do mm. managers jump onto, um, it was with Simon Jordan and Jim White, do they jump? in with these two and, and have, have chats on, on, on nah, regular so bases? I, I tend to listen semi-regularly and like, yeah. especially to their to their show um, and I, I can't say that this is something that happens often it only really tends to be like you know they'll go and have a chat with people a bit like you know like what he did on BT the other week after the Bournemouth game he went in and sat in there with Joe Cole Peter Crouch and and that and like right yeah that's that's normally what you'd see him go and do but this this felt like this was obviously something that was arranged wasn't it and agreed to by the club um yeah apparently levy uh, set up supposedly i i I yeah and it was and it was like good i mean that from Mm -hmm. from it it kind of was just more of what we've been enjoying since he came in right where everything he says is just gold like we we love we, we love hearing him speak because he just makes us feel actually good about supporting our club yeah um and I think he's someone who's just ultimately going to be able to represent us in a far better way than even any of the last few managers like have been able to um, in the last few years, especially. Um, Anything but, that stood out from it that you were like, "Yes, this is this is the content." Just keep yeah, I think, content. I think just the fact that he was just reaffirming the fact that you know, you know, success success can't just be deemed by just winning you know, like a trophy and finishing 10th because to him, that's not success. Like it's all about building something that, you know, means you're set up to win things for a, for the long, for a long period of time. And that's what I liked was that it, it kind of just goes back. It goes back into this narrative that, you know, or at least this mindset that we've been led to sort of like believe, which is that it's, it's a long-term strategy and plan and thinking from, from the club and, and from him that he's buying into, right. That we can look forward to. Um, and it, I think that I, I just get the feeling in general that you pair this with like, you know, the fan forum that's being set up and stuff like that. Like, I think that the club are really trying to make a conscious effort to try and rebuild the relationship between, you know, them and, and the fans who had, there's been a, a, there's clearly been a huge disconnect over the last, what, few couple of years, or if not yeah, even the last year, longer. six months, yeah. especially. But as you say, like longer on a slow burning sort of element, yeah. but then the last six months to a year has been Collapse. terrible, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely. So I think that it's good to see that they're at least, you know, credit where it's due, that it's, it's good to see that they're at least trying to, re- like, you know, rebuild some bridges at least. Um, Ross, was there anything else you, you picked out? Because I, I do want to, I do want to focus on the whole quantifying success discussion. You know, based off the back of what Ange was talking about. You know, when he was quizzed about 
the uh, League Cup exit. But was there anything else that you uh, uh, that you picked out of the interview? Because for me, again, he just he it was another masterclass. He's he's so likable, and, and I think Talksport did a little thing afterwards where rival fans were kind of messaging in to say, "I can't hate the guy, even though he's a Tottenham manager." Like he he's impossible to hate. He talks about football in a way that really resonates across the board. You know, he there's there's no fakeness. There's no uh, agenda. He's he's not he's not answering questions in a way that's like a politician's uh, answers. Um, they absolutely loved it having him on, um, and everyone seems to love Ange at the moment. Obviously, because everything's going okay. You know, four games in. Um, anything else that stood out for you, mate? No, he, um, you mean he was no, Ange... you meant to say yes, and then give me more content to discuss. <laughs> if you let homework. me finish my bleeding, I did do my bleeding homework. I all said right, he go. spoke right, well. I apologize. There I apologize. you go. Um, on my notepad, which I did, um, th- he's brilliant at the interviews. He's, and you, you could pretty much work out that Levy's happy for him to do these things because Mourinho would have slagged him off and Conte would have just mumbled something and then started shouting. Um, so, no, it, it was lovely. to. I didn't watch the whole show. I caught it up on um, YouTube. And no, it was, it, was a, it was a very good interview. You could tell that the presenters were very kind of, aww, isn't he nice? Yeah, and I don't like that. That's the thing that I don't like, the, 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 the kind of patronising undertone that is there, you know. Tottenham are fun <laughs> to watch. Tottenham... Tottenham are not Brentford or Brighton, mate. We're not, you know, being fun to watch doesn't win you anything. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna, we, no. we need to be a team that's hated at some points. So it's going to be really interesting to see that whether Postecoglou is strong enough for Spurs to remain media favourites when we are sm- when we're smashing the teams that they love to see win, or whether they turn on us because we're actually doing really well. This is that's that's the, that's where my brain is. A kind of sort of you know directed at my my mind yeah, is trying I, to formulate what it's going to look like when I'm we pretty are sure that he's sorry mate gone gone no no when we're a serious when we when when we are serious contenders basically because it's no longer fun for everyone else is it do you know what I mean well, when no, we're hurting the, the the likes of City and Liverpool and, and United and everyone else yeah I know but that happens with any successful team when. Man United started winning Premier Leagues back in the early 90s. It's like, oh, that's good. Man United was starting to win and then everyone hated them. Um, everyone yeah. hates Arsenal anyway and Chelsea. Um, when Man City won it and they beat Man U on the last day of the season, it was, oh, that's good. You know, Manchester. now it's like, oh, God, they're winning everything. And everyone still hates Chelsea. Um, and it will be if we become successful, it'll be the same. It, with anything in the UK, when if, when it's going up towards that kind of nirvana of wonderfulness and winning things and all these stuff it's all great and people are on board and then once we win it a few times it'll be oh it's Tottenham again but we it's not it's nothing to do with them it's all about us it, we should yeah, yeah we shouldn't really sure. care what other people think and oh, no, I don't. if they're loving if people are loving us at the minute good for them and when they hate us that's even better because that means we're successful yeah, exactly. I, think, I mean, look, I'm not... I'll just say not, as well, Spook. I'll go, just say go, as well, right, like, with, with this particular show, like you, the people that are on there, so it's hosted by Jim White and obviously Simon Jordan. Yeah. Um, like, I think it's it's quite interesting because like, if you was to go back over the last, you know, period like period of time, especially like the Conte era of like listening to them talk about Tottenham, I think 
it's quite it's quite funny because I think Simon Jordan almost comes across like a bit of a closet Spurs fan because I think he I think he likes I think he actually really rates like the way someone like Daniel Daniel Levy runs the club and and that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. Um and he's I think he's clearly like you know got contacts or regular semi-regular contact with Daniel Levy that I think like, it's almost like he's got some sort of like vested interest in Spurs and, and like he'll never he'll never say that he'll always say I don't and all the rest of it but it's he comes across like that because how he talks about us which is always in a somewhat defensive light and tries to be balanced like he slated Conte for instance like yeah. couldn't believe like how he behaved himself when he was at the club and it came across to him like he was doing us a favour and stuff like that yeah and then Jim White I think because ultimately, I don't know if he's Rangers or Celtic, but obviously as a Scottish um, football fan, he was someone who, like you know, loves Ange Postecoglou and what he was able to do in the SPL, for instance. So they both kind of had like a real vested interest in having this interview. So they both already like him from the outset for different reasons. So it's like they both want him to do well. So it was almost like he was never going to go into there and be really almost grilled by the pair of them. Yeah, I mean that exact that exactly it wasn't it was not that type of interview and I think people are just people are generally buzzing that there's a new personality in the Premier League, right? It's and great it for be, us because because you 100%. then start I I think that then starts to put that better light on us when you've then got someone like him representing the club and then people who whether people share the opinions of the of the two people I've just mentioned Jim and Simon on their show, whether you share their opinions or not. They do have influence over the way other people think and the way other fans think. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think it's only good, like from that <clears> perspective, <throat> when it gets a desired outcome well, it, for us. It ties back into what you said, mate. I think Spurs are, you know, we we, we had to be put into the recovery position during the summer, and you know, Postacoglu, who again, you know, I'm happy to say at the beginning, I was like, what, what are we really going to appoint this guy? Um, the the irony being that we were looking at. I'm going to just say his name, Pochettino, because we wanted a dad character back. We wanted someone that understood Tottenham, understood the football and understood us, the fan base. And it just turned out that all the things that the Celtic supporters were saying were tangible and they were, you know, they, they would transmit from, 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 from their club to our club with the arrival of, of Ange. That's exactly what's happened. So for the club, it, it was the perfect, it is the perfect appointment. People are going to have a dig. Oh, he's the cheapest, but Compared to what? To the 50 million quid we were spending per year for Antonio Conte. We need someone that is representative of what we want to be doing. And if we genuinely want to be back in this manager um, and the manager believes in whatever conversations he's had with the chairman and the board and the rest of them, then we need a leader and we need someone that amplifies um, belief and hope and what it means to be Tottenham. And Postacoglu is doing that, not in a cheap way, not in a cringy way. He's just come in and he's doing what he knows best and he just happens to fit the profile of our football club, which is perfect because we want to feel in love with Spurs again. You know, it's a love-hate relationship with football. It's just, you know, again, it's a podcast on its own. Do you know what I mean? How how important this escapism is and to the point where it's not really an escapism. It's part of our lives. It's part of our social life. It's part of that kind of tribal output that we need to release every so often. Do you know what I mean? We get a lot of that as, as geezers and, 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 <laughs> and, you know, any, anyone, any gender, anyone that goes <laughs> to football games, you know, there, there is this kind of visceral raw kind of outpouring of this, uh, kind of, you know, 
vocal violence is, is, is how I would describe it. It's, it's, it's amazing because you're letting out all those frustrations and you're also letting out this kind of expression of, of undying love. Like I hugged about four or five people when Richie scored at Fulham, which is why I've been sick for two weeks. Do you know what I mean? The things I do for this football club. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, he's the perfect appointment. He's the perfect appointment for Tottenham. And I don't mind the media stuff at the minute because it's a distraction as well. Do you know what I mean? We're not, we're not, there's no pressure on us at the moment. I mean, Harry Kane would absolutely fucking load that. But at the moment, there's no real pressure on us because also we know that there's work to be done. And that, that kind of ties into this stuff around um, quantifying success. It's just off the back of what Andrew's talking about, you know. You know, he was asked about what would be a successful season. And, he, you know, he said that it's the fans will tell me whether we've had a good season or not. You know, it's stuff like that that you think, yes, the guy, the guy understands what, 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 you know, but he also knows and we know that we're, we're recovering and we're rebuilding and it's going to take a bit of time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's interesting because he said, and I want Ross, I want your opinion on this first. Yes. He spoke about obviously the cup exit, any regrets? No, you know, and you know, there's pressure on Spurs from the ether to win a, a cup. And if you're going to get knocked out, you know, I mean, that's one opportunity gone. But the way that he 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 spoke about it was to be, become a team that's competitive, and by virtue of that competitiveness, you are then challenging for the competitions that you're in. But you need to get to that position in the first place. And in my head, I was like, "Well, that's actually you're going to need to be top four every season to do that." And and that then, if you, if you want to get a little bit conspiracy is the thing that a lot of people hate because that's the thing that people believe Levy's telling every manager, don't worry about the cups, get Champions League football because of revenue. But but also the you know the uh the uncomfortable truth around that is that you need to be top four to be able to challenge for the league or or challenge for cups. You know, because then you have you, you have enough about you to be able to do that. So so is top four is top four the most important thing? Is is that do you think that's the thing that's going to quantify a success for the fan base at the end of the season, getting back into the Champions League? Well, I think if we get into the Champions League, I think we've, I think we've punched above our weight, especially this season, and what we've had and what we had from last season. I've got his quotes in front of me. He says the one thing I like is. This is what he said. He said, but it's not a desperation around just winning something because I don't think that gets you sustainable opportunity to be successful. And I think yeah. that's what he's looking for. There's no point just putting all your eggs in one basket and saying, look, we need to win the Carabao Cup because we need a trophy. And that that won't, that'll just it'll be a nice trophy to win. It'll be great. Nice day out. But then the problem we had when we won it in 2008 Juan de Ramos was in charge, but the league form nosedived. When we got to the Champions League final, no, we didn't win it, but if we quantify that as success, we were already on a slope with um, the Chelsea manager then, because um, I'm just as petty as you are and say the fact gets name. Um, and what we need in place is, because he, he's got the attacking football, he, he has that and he's digs his heels in and that's what I love about him as well he says no this is how I play the football and I want these players yeah so what he's done what he said also is there's no point us just going for this one trophy this season because it it, what what does that where does that get you 
It gets, she doesn't really get you anywhere. It's nice to have Tottenham Hotspur winners 2024 League Cup. That's lovely. But afterwards, what happened then? So what he's trying to do is just get this sustainable, and he uses that word sustainable, winning mentality and foundation into the club where we can then breed from it time and time again. Um, and okay, that's me... how it should be. Let me take what you've said and pass it on to, to, to Dan because it's. I want to get a little bit forensic here, Dan, and, and, and hopefully I, I can articulate this right. It's. Do you agree with the sentiment that that, that Postacoglu is is saying? Because it's almost like he's saying there's no point winning a, a, a domestic cup in isolation, right? that you need to be in a position where you're competitive all of the time. And we know that's really difficult when there's six, seven other teams that are going to be aiming for the same level or or above that level. But does that mean winning a cup when you are competitive means more than winning a cup when it's just an isolated incident and then you finish eighth and then the following season you you finish sixth and you don't win anything again? Obviously, you want to be consistent. But obviously, football should be about winning cups or... Or are we still obsessed with the way football was in the 80s? And, and I mean, you probably weren't even about in the 80s, to be fair. But are we still obsessed with the way football was back in the day where winning winning at the FA Cup or the League Cup was a big thing? It was as, it was almost as big as winning the league. It felt as big as winning the league because there was less money, less competitions, no Champions League. So do, do, do you agree that what Postacoglu is basically saying is, let's build a foundation that's sustainable and allows us to build on top of that. Because otherwise, you're aiming for the short term. Aim for the long term. And by aiming for the long term, you become stronger and you probably become more competitive and you will win things off the back of that. Yeah, because that's what I've wanted from a manager anyway. I don't want us to have short-term managers who come in after 18 months and then go away. He signed a four-year contract and hopefully... like. I'd like us to be successful in that time, so that if we if it's if we're still enjoying it and we we're still producing that 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 we re up that. Do you know what I mean? That we don't yeah. just settle after four years. We keep this we keep this going. Um, and I think that you know, in terms of like what would be deemed a success for us this season, I think that that's always like you know what we think might might be successful now could be very different to what we think late in February, for instance, because you, everyone knows that what you want at the start of the season, that, that your objectives change in football, don't they, throughout the yeah, season. So you have to be able to pivot your expectations as you go through. So right now, I'm still pretty much in the same boat that I was at at the beginning of the season, which is, I think, if we get top six, I think that he's done you know, he's done a good job. I think he'd have done an excellent job if he gets us in the Champions League, i.e. top five. Uh, and then I think he, if he was to then somehow win like an FA Cup on like as well as that, then he's done an outstanding job. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the kind of like how I'm how I'd be tearing it. it. It is interesting though. Again, not to spend too much time on this because it's it's, it's an ongoing uh, it's an ongoing thing really for for Spurs fans. So the moment it all fell apart under Conte, um, and and the moment we understood that the football was never going to evolve into something that had swagger and confidence and 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 it was just all falling apart we realized we realized we're happy when the football's decent we we kind of went back to the basics of it it wasn't about we want to win something it was about we want to feel good about what we're watching and and we, we've got that very basic fundamental back with with Postacoglu so it is early days there will be bumps in, bumps in the road there will be 
changes in expectations and the rest of it. Um, it is early days, but after four or five seasons of being lost, really, um, I think we, we know where we're heading towards now. And the club are doing what they need to be doing thus far to, to support the manager. He seems to have bought into it. The most important thing is that we've bought into it. So we're in a good place. So let's just ride the wave and um, see where it takes us. Um, now, before we, we kind of jump to uh, Sheffield United at home, I just wanted to do some... I wanted to talk about Hugo and Richarlison, but before that, um, Dan, you actually usually pick up uh, like transfer news and whatever else. This wonder kid we're, we're signing, um, Croatian centre-back, 16 years old. Am I right in thinking he's not signing until he's uh, until 2025? Yeah, that's what, well, what, what I've been reading. Like, I, I What's read, his name, uh, by the way? I, I genuinely don't even know v- the guy's name. Vuskovic, I think. Isn't it right? I'll take that. Yeah, um, uh, I think that's, Vinny. I think that's it. Call him Vinny. He looks fucking massive, by the way. I don't know if you've seen some of the footage of him. He's yeah, like I six have. Foot, yes. he's, he's six foot four already. Apparently, I mean, the state of him already. Like he's he's going to be an absolute <laughs> monster. Like in a, in about four years' time, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, I just, I was quite, regardless of like, he could, this, this geezer could turn out to never play for Spurs now, and it'd be hilarious, right? They'd be proper Spursy, wouldn't it? That we'd be mm. all excited about this geezer, the long-term <laughs> planning and all the rest of it. And then next thing you know, Ange's gone after three years, and the player that <laughs> we signed for Ange is just like another one of these players who loses out. But thinking positively, um, I'm just happy to see that there's at least a bit of you know forward thinking and planning, and we don't know how much of this might be to do with possibly someone like Paratici, who's obviously got yeah. his feeders out all the time and he's always got like, you know, an eye on the continent, so to speak. It could be a bit of Agent Perisic as well, because of the Croatian link. Um I'm pretty sure he's playing for the club as well that Perisic was linked with going back to, like in Croatia. I, I did read that that may, maybe he's gonna he's as part of this agreement, he might go the other way uh, at some point. So um, that's not really been confirmed. Uh, I well, I mean, Perisic will be gone, but but next yeah. season anyway, when his contract yeah. ends. So yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting. So make, but but sense. yeah, I think if I couldn't, it doesn't it doesn't matter if he now doesn't come until twenty twenty five because of his age, right? Like yeah. you know, he's got so much. Well, seemingly still, you'd think still much a lot of like development and stuff to go, despite having raw talent. Um, there's no there's no need to rush him, and I like that. You know, when we talk about players like him and Valise, who Valise obviously has been a bit older, I like that there's at least no kind of like um, sort of like rush to get these people through the door. Yeah, I mean, and factor in as well because like we've got um, we've got the Croatian, sixteen years old, seen in a couple of years. Ashley uh, Phillips was signed. Um, who else did we sign? Um, did we sign another centre back? What's my brain? No, but we've got Alfie Dorrington now, ain't we? Yeah, it's sorry, that's exactly where my brain was going. The under twenty ones look absolutely stacked for talent right now. Dorrington looks again; he looks immense coming forward with the ball. The the the, the kind of um, passes, you know, across the diagonal passes across the pitch reminds Class, me of certain. It? Yeah, it reminds me of a certain centre back. Um, just the the and then Michael that's Dawson. Also, <laughs> Do you know what my brain Anthony did Gardner, actually go there? I was thinking of Toby, to be fair, but um, D- Dawson was all right with those diagonals. Let's let's give him. Don't knock Dawson, it. man. Love Dawes. He, he, he did. He, he did have his. He moments. was proper coys. Yeah, but he Dawson, still is. Dawson love him. 
he's one of the ex players that doesn't slag us off basically and, and does a bit of media work. I think him, Robbie Keane. I, I watch it, him on that it? soccer Saturday, and I just think like whenever someone says anything against Spurs, he's ready to just fucking fire everyone who's going to speak against us. Sherwood or Mercer. Exactly. That's yeah. The, again, that's the energy you want from an from an ex pro. Like I know that I know there's obviously for every Dawson there's half a dozen Danny Roses. But it's just the you know just the way it is. <laughs> this, this this club kind of does fuck with your head, whether you're a player or or, or, or a fan. It's just unavoidable. Sorry to cut in, Spooks, but Luca, whatever his name is, he's not allowed to join to this. And I'm going to get a bit kind of geezerish now because of Brexit, um, because he, it's all down to EU stuff. So he's not allowed to be in this country until he's 18. Okay. So that's why he can't join us until that, 2025. That's fine. I mean, he's not going to go straight into the first team, is he? Oh right. God, no, no. He, he could because, as Dan said, he's a unit. But he's yeah. a fucking monster Hope, already. Let him cook. <laughs> Look at him. Yeah. Let, let, I mean, he, he does. He's very beastly. So it's great that we're doing this, though. There's. Stuff like this, even if it does it does amount to nothing, it, it, it feels like there's a plan. It feels like there's methodology mm. in place. You know, there's a design to what we're doing with these signings. There's the start of it, at least, at least anyway, isn't there? Like, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Get it's the it's foundations, and and yeah, you know, people it. going, oh, Spurs. How many times have we done this? The reality is, every football club in the world does this all of the time. You know, again. The problems that we we do create for ourselves are created by other clubs for themselves. You know, it's we're supposed to not own the copyright as much as we would like to believe we are the only circus on the planet when it comes to football. Everybody has as as problems. I'm going to be really defensive to Tottenham. Here. I'm going to be fully Dawson myself. I think Spurs, for all their faults, and they've got many for all the problems that the board generate for themselves. They do that a lot. They don't learn from it. You know, we do still aim pretty high do you know as a fan base we are driven and, and ambitious and that kind of that does apply the pressure to the board to do something and I think the board and the club are a little bit they've got a bit of a buffer they've created for themselves and they're a little bit comfortable with the decision making and they're not really feeling the type of pressure they should be feeling you know coming back to the Kane comments uh, but I think they are now and I think they've realized that they've just got to get their shit in order but anyway again that's another podcast, isn't it? You could talk about that forever. Um, mm. n- no word on the director of football, so we won't talk about that today because it just I, don't, I haven't seen anything to do, to do with his appointment. Scott Munn, I don't think he started yet. We don't really need to dive I think into he that. has now, though, isn't he? Didn't has they he? talk about that the other day? Like, I think Alistair oh, Gold said that Munn... Yeah, think, he's starting uh, soon, isn't he? Yeah, he said oh, that he's finally I set mean, to start, so there you go. Great. I mean, it doesn't look the most dynamic of people, but again, that does really matter, does it? I mean, neither do I look dynamic at all um uh rare cut. <laughs> decision bald every time i see that meme on on the internet i'm like guys you're <laughs> indirecting me can you just please anyway whatever man i've got dna mm. in it hereditary i can't do anything about it um hugo let's quickly talk about hugo because i'm right in thinking he's in the squad right he's got a number yep okay so just quickly on hugo uh dan and then ross um, it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Like no one wants to sign this fella. It's not like he's a bad goalkeeper. Yeah, he's got a lot of I was experience. Talking, literally, before we jumped on, I was talking to my dad about this, and just like he clearly had offers out there, but just ones that he didn't like. And I think you know he's more than obligated to return those offers down if it's not what he's interested in. Um, he wants to be a starter somewhere because he probably feels like he can still do it in the right team, but. Yeah. Like you know, he's, he needs to basically go somewhere. Though they're not relying on you know 
people like Edison, who's like amazing with their feet and all that sort of stuff, right? Because we know it's not his strength, but on his day, he's still a quality shot stopper. But I think he's, you know, this is always subjective and it's always debatable. Like, you know, you know, opinions are like arseholes. For me personally, I think he's done more than enough to warrant just seeing his contract out of the club. He's yeah. not someone who I think is, you know, I don't think he's a uh, like a bad egg or anything like that that you need yeah. to be shot of. Um, I think the young goalkeepers that are still here, well, I say young, the people like Whiteman and um, Austin who basically have never played a Premier League game and they're both like 24 now. But, you know, the, the, the people that are around the club, even Vicario and like people like that, they can still learn a lot from this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, I do think he's got the right sort of like, you know, mentality to be at the top of at the top of your game. He's a World Cup winner. Like, you know, he's he's um he's a quality he's he's been an amazing goalkeeper for us. I've I've got no problem with him sort of being around for the season. It's not ideal because I think you know from the club's perspective you'd rather have, have that space freed up. But yeah, you know it's 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 one of those things. It's what we come back to it, don't we? You can't get everything done in the first transfer window, and if you don't have to upset people along the way, then don't like just you know things will happen organically as we go. Yeah, no, exactly. And Ross, have you got? I mean, it's, it's weird, isn't it? We don't do, do, do Spurs even do testimonials anymore. Um, we did for Ledley, didn't we? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, you could not have, uh, you know. But ignored. with Hugo, I mean, say he stays the whole season because no one wants him. Well, there, I mean, as as Dan said, there was offers out there. He just didn't want to go. Yeah. So he's yeah. more than entitled to stay for the whole season. And if he does, and say that we're fifth on the last day of the season, we can't get fourth. We can't go sixth. We are fifth. Give him the half. Give him a half. He can say goodbye. He's not ever spoken out badly. Um, I mean, now and again, he's got into a bit of trouble with driving and alcoholic beverages. Um, but apart from, look, he's be, he's produced moments of brilliance. And I can already think of a save he did against Liverpool at Wembley. A save, was it by Leverkusen off Chikorito, where it was impossible he saved it? And yeah, the one where he, he kind of stops the ball span, across span the line. round on the line or whatever it was. <laughs> just un- unreal, unreal goalkeeping. And yeah. um, the penalty save against Aubameyang and the one against Aguero Oof, in the quarterfinals. Yeah. I mean, you could, you, all these things start coming back to you. So, as a servant and as someone who stuck by the club, even when he was a World Cup winner, I think he deserves a decent send-off. I think even more so than Kane, because Hugo was our club captain for so long. And now I'm understanding why it was never given to Harry Kane, because I just don't think he would have been as good as. But we'll never know. It's all hindsight, and we're all millionaires with hindsight. Yeah, I mean, mean, hindsight revisionist historians will... We always focus on the negatives. I think it's just a human thing, a trait that we we all have. Like we we often remember the back. You know, people will say, "Well, what about all the all the goals that he let in? What about all the horrible mistakes that he's been making in the last couple of seasons?" And it's like, okay, you know, people, especially in the goalkeeping position, it's really difficult. There's very few goalkeepers that you could argue have been consistently brilliant in their entire careers, right? And a lot of that has probably had to do with where they've played, especially if they play the really elite football clubs. Exactly. Oh, goalkeepers, it's just one of those positions. He's he's the only one on the pitch that does what he can do, right? And that's, therefore, there's a lot more emphasis on the mistakes they make compared to maybe other players. But, you know, I was having a conversation in, in the Fighting Cock uh, um, uh, uh, WhatsApp group, and you were still there with Danny Rose and, and just, you know, the 
the peak years that he had, the, the prime years that he had at Tottenham, and then compared to Carl Walker, who's been doing it consistently for like 10 seasons and got even better when he went mm. to Man City. But I, I was like, well, it's funny that, because when Walker was playing for Tottenham, he was slated so often by Spurs fans. Like he was, you know, there was this thing that, that I thought was, I, I was never comfortable with it, that he was he was a daft idiot. He'd just make mistake after mistake after mistake. It's always an exaggeration. And players in those positions, they take risks. Yeah, positionally, he did once or twice make a mistake. But then you can say that about any player on the pitch. Misplaced past is a mistake from a midfielder. A striker not connecting or, or mistiming his run, it's a mistake. But that we we perceive it in a different way. And and it's just it's just interesting that people just look to the negatives and then try and, and just almost pretend like that is who the player is or was at the club. Whereas Hugo, you know, um, was very loyal to us. I don't think he ever tried to to leave. I mean, he was very comfortable at Spurs. He's a great captain. It's a shame he hasn't got his move. Um, Having him at the club is a positive in my eyes uh, in terms of what you guys mentioned. Um, Right, now Richarlison. Before we get to the Patreon part, we'll have to push a few things onto the Patreon uh, section. So we're going to talk about Sheffield United at home. We're going to talk about the fan forum on Patreon. But let's finish on Richarlison then. Um, Mm. He's having a bad, 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 bad time at the minute. Ross, and I'll start with you, mate, because we had a conversation about mental health not that long ago. Today, Richarlison's kind of come out and said a few things about... um, uh, about people that were involved with his money. So he didn't really go into detail about what happened there, but he seems to have fallen out with people that were close to him, whether that's family, whether it's just business acquaintances, whatever it is. Like he's off the field. Uh, issues have obviously impacted him generally, as they would, and, and therefore impacted the, the job that he needs to do on the pitch. Um, pretty brave of him to be like publicly talking about going to see a psychologist to sort himself out, but... How do you think? Do you think this impacts us and it impacts the player even more just in terms of, um, you know, his place in the team? Does he have a place in the team at the minute? Is he, is he now benched because of how good we have looked uh, without him starting? I think on that point, he wouldn't have... I don't think he would have started against Sheffield United only because if you think back to our last game, Sonny got a hat-trick, Solomon played well, Decky did all right, and we've got um, Brennan Johnson coming in. And we you don't spend nearly 50 million on a player just to leave him out of match day squads. I think with Richie and again, we, we, no one knows what's going on. And the fact that he was on the bench the other day crying, I know he sweats a lot and I know Alistair Gold pointed that out on his YouTube video, but you could see that he's a very emotional person. He's a very, yeah. he, he's very committed to Brazil and now to Tottenham. He was like that at um, Everton yeah. Um, and even at Watford, when he was there, he was very kind of passionate, you know, there for the fans. And when somebody in that position who is so on an emotional edge, if something does go wrong in their personal life, it can derail them. They'll he'll come back. He's I think he's strong-minded enough. He comes across as one of a really nice guy as well. He does 
so much for charity and all that. So he's not a nasty person. I think no, there's no, a few not people. And I think there's a few people on Twitter that are like, oh, what's he doing? You know, get him out of my club. He's rubbish. And it's like, well, he's not rubbish. He's actually a very good footballer. We haven't seen the best of him, definitely. And we did, did pay 60 million. So on that business basis, we yeah. can be a bit annoyed. But what I will say, just give him a couple of weeks, see how he is. If he does go to see a psychologist, hopefully that'll improve him. I think also he needs to learn English and start speaking. I think that might help him a little bit because how he's been over this country what about five six years now he apparently he apparently does speak it he, i was listening to yeah. a podcast i was listening to view from the lane podcast i think it was charlie eccleshare that was saying that he speaks really good english apparently and he's recently invested oh. in um yeah i saw he that. shared on his socials where he was it, was it was like a new language learning platform or something like that, that he was investing in for uh in brazil again something that's like another charitable type thing that he was doing to further your point but yeah, he does come. I mean, Dan, I'd like your input on this. But he, he comes across as a genuinely nice guy, and I don't think he has a mean bone in his body. He likes to wind people up. Don't get me wrong, but I think that's more of a childlike state. But I think he, I think he will come back strong, and I think I hope he does. So I don't know what you think, Dan. Of what thought, thoughts on it? Because I just want to quickly say the most important thing isn't so much the football at this point. It's just it's, it's Richie getting himself sorted. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just in case I came across as a bit, as a bit like you know, no, 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 not can at get all. on I'm... with it, Richie. Score some goals. But, <laughs> no, um... no, no. I think, I think, I think with him, it's like you know, you only, you only need to look back as far as Delhi Alley and what's come out of him recently to understand that we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, these people, you know, these these footballers are people. Like they've got stuff that obviously gets to them in their personal yeah. lives. Um, I don't think it's, and I don't really know. I didn't know that there was stuff that was a money issue and stuff like that. For instance, with him, I didn't know it was anything like that because could be loyalty, could be someone's done, you know, someone's. Yeah, and we don't know. I mean, we don't. We literally don't. The reality is is that that, because it doesn't really matter, does it? We just want him to be all right so that he can get back to playing because we've got a vested interest in our football club in that way. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to be insensitive and you know say that we, you know, we'll just drop him out then and stuff like that. It's not what it's about. He is someone who I want to see doing well at Spurs because he's very likable and he just winds up, as you've said, he fucking winds opposition up so much (laughs) that like when he's on it, like he's just great to watch, right? It'd be I mean, look great. How happy to... he was when he scored them two goals against Marseille. It was like he was genuinely was... like a kid. Yeah. I was there for that. That was fucking unbelievable as well. Yeah, two that, great that was, that was That was a great night. Um, well, look, Richie, we're thinking of you, mate. Um, I'm sure because of the money spent. Because he's he obviously does have something to give. I mean, he's not the most polished Brazilian you've ever seen, right? But at the same time, I don't think he's ever really played in a position um, up until this season where he could take advantage of, you know, the, the the balls being delivered to feet and the rest of it. You've not seen him play the way he played at Everton and the way that he plays for Brazil. And that's because of last season and because of the, the changes this season. So he just needs to be in, in good form physically, mentally to, to, to then be part of what's happening, you know, not to be inside his own head and, and hopefully that's soon because we kind of need bodies. We need to be a little bit flexible. Our attack is fucking phenomenal. We're going to talk about that a little bit in a second because Johnson is probably going to play a part on, on Saturday. So thank you for downloading and listening to this. If you are doing so on uh, whatever podcast app you're using, 
obviously if you are a patreon you're about to get some extra content um if you're not a patreon spook spooky in purgatory on patreon.com uh where all the extended podcasts live so thank you up the spurs and yeah that's it